Welcome to the Southridge Church Podcast. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we want you to stay connected with us. You can find us on sanjose.cc or subscribe to the podcast. Well, take your Bible, if you would, to the book of Genesis, chapter number two. Genesis chapter number two. And as we're turning there, I want to kick off our series right in the beginning, where it all starts, Genesis chapter number two. Now, I want to get us all on the same page, and that's hard to do when you're in a a relationship series. You say, why is it hard to do? Because we have people that, uh, single, like I said, or dating, or engaged, married, single again, married. We've got people that are looking. Everybody's all on the spectrum, and we all not necessarily can all relate at where our relationship status may be. You know, that doesn't always uh, relate well sometimes. Here's where we do relate. If we're all gonna get on the same page, here's where we all can relate with one another. No matter what relationships you've experienced in your life, you have experienced hardships, heartbreak, and bad habits. They're just all these things that come out of relationships. And it doesn't matter if it's with a parent, a sibling, a child, a grandparent, a coworker, a spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, it doesn't matter. You are gonna experience all of those emotions and that's kind of where we can kind of get on the same page. And so if you're saying, okay, well, if there's a week that's on engaged couples, that fits me, I'll come that week. And if there's a week about married people, then that fits me. And if there's a week about, you know, bachelors to the rapture, then that's me and I'll show up that week, you know? No, we're not doing that, okay? It's God's word, it's all good because you and I struggle most at relationships because people are difficult, all right? And if you don't know any difficult people, you is the difficult person. It's you, all right? So you just point the finger at you and be like, it's me. I'm the problem. That... Never mind. We don't, we don't need any Taylor Swift this morning. Uh, you already had some good worship. We don't need none of that. So we all have relationship struggles. You know, all of our lives are affected by relationships. Now, here's what's interesting. We live in, a, in, in an amazing time. An amazing time. You say, what do you mean we live in an amazing time? Uh, Relationships now have kind of been, they've kind of turned into a little bit of a hobby, a little bit of a fun thing. And relationships are kind of meant to have an element of, oh man, I like the way it feels. Uh, I love having just the highs and lows, just the emotional drama of all of it. And you say you don't, but you kind of do. Uh, But that's, that's relatively new, is what I'm saying. You see, for a lot of the world, do you know today they still struggle with a couple of things? Uh, When they're gonna get married, they marry who's available. You say, no, yes. Have you looked at the population of other major countries? There's only so many men and there's only so many women. So some, it's like, hey, you're the only person available. Like, uh, I'm, you know, like, you're Mrs. Okay, and I'm Mr. All Right, all right? It's not like Mr. and Mrs. Perfect. It's just like, hey, this is what's available. And there are parts of the country, it's about what's been arranged. There's still, so, so when we look at our Western context, we base relationships off of attraction. But you gotta understand, that's not real for the rest of the world. And we're talking major countries. If you live in Russia or China, you are, attraction's a luxury. You're saying, what's available? 
and what's, uh, what's been assigned to me? What did my parents pick out? And so here, because we are able to go off of attraction, this is good and bad. It's good and bad. You say, what do you mean? Well, that's what this whole series is about. Whole series, modern romance. We're going to deal with that over the next several weeks. But here's really what I want to help with. You see, there's two types of relationships. There's the easy relationship, and then there's the easier relationship. Sometimes people are in a relationship because it's easy. Now, let me break that down. The person is easy. No standards. They're just easy. Get away with whatever. Just easy. I don't really think you're interested in just an easy relationship. I think you're interested in easier. Because all of us are going to go through points in our relationship that are hard. And you're like, I don't need it easy. I just need a little bit easier. I just don't need to be having these knockdown, drag out arguments where one of us is sleeping on the couch and our couch is so old, I just end up with, with all of these like bad uh, back pains in the morning. I don't need any of that. I don't need any slammed doors. I don't need a sore uh, voice uh, from yelling. I don't need puffy eyes from crying my eyes out. I don't, I don't need any of that. I don't need people leaving and coming and going and breaking my I, I just I need it easier than that. I don't need it easy. I do want to help you get easier. And that's not wrong. I think sometimes we feel like, man, is it wrong that I just want this to be easier? No, no. When you have an expectation that it should be easy, you have set yourself up. So if you expect your marriage, your dating, your engagement uh, to be easy, you have set yourself up for a failure. But it's not wrong for you and I to say, if God loves me, and if his goodness is chasing after me, maybe he does want to make it easier. And that's why we go to Genesis 2. Because the Bible knows that when it comes to relationships, that's everyday life. You're going to deal with relationships. Whether you are dating, engaged, or married, you're going to encounter a relationship throughout the day. And those relationships can be difficult. And so let's go to Genesis chapter number 2. I want to begin reading from verse number 18 through verse number 25. Verse number 18 starts out, and it's a great verse. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heaven, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper. And I would underline this, highlight this, fit for him. Fit for him. Verse 21. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up the place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. The man said, this at last is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Also, the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. You know, God lays out the ideal relationship in this passage. There is a distortion in culture uh, that is prevalent that says, hey, one woman is not enough satisfy your appetites, and go for many. 
This is even seen in scripture. It's not just a cultural thing. You can see it in scripture. You can see where they would marry multiple wives, have multiple concubines. That's, that's here, but you need to understand that God has an ideal. You and I understand this at work or with sports, that there's a goal that we're trying to hit here. In relationships, in marriage, it's harder to see that goal. God lays out the goal. The goal is one man, one woman for one lifetime. That's God's goal for you and for me. That's the goal. Now, uh, sometimes to no fault of our own, that goal doesn't play out. So God says, this is the ideal. Now, culture wants to distort and pervert the ideal, but we still go back to God's word. And God's word from the very beginning said it's one man, one woman, one lifetime. That was God's ideal. Now, culture has gotten away from that. And if the culture is going to do that, we, we, we understand they don't know Jesus Christ. It's our job to share Christ with them and in hopes that they'll accept it. But for you and I, this is the standard. That's the ideal. One man, one woman for one lifetime. That's it. In covenant relationship. That's what God wants. That's where he lays out the ideal. The ideal is one plus one equals one. That's, that's what God wants for you and I. One plus one equals one. But you know what stops a lot of people from taking that next step in a relationship? They don't feel ready. They don't feel ready. They don't, maybe you don't feel ready to date. You don't feel ready to propose. You don't feel ready to uh, get married. You don't feel ready for whatever that next thing is in your relationship. You just don't feel ready. Now, sometimes it's fun to get ready for things. You've all been there. You know, I don't know if you went to prom. I didn't get to go to a prom and I was homeschooled. So it's like, okay, there's be really awkward taking your sister to prom. So you just didn't do that. That was weird. We weren't that kind of a family. Uh, you know, we didn't grow up in the South. Uh, so it was, it was one of those things where we just didn't do that. Okay. It's just not allowed. All right. So it was homeschooled. And so no prom, but uh, maybe you did. And it was kind of fun to dress up. It's kind of fun to get the corsage, you know, the cheap tuxedo or, or the, the, the suit that you wore with your vans, you know, just to show that you're still, you got a little bit of that attitude, you won't fully engage, you know. Or maybe it's fun to, you played on a sports team. And man, it was like go time, putting on the, the, the shoulder pads, putting on everything. You were like, oh, it's go time. You know, or maybe it's packing for a trip, getting ready for a trip. That's a lot of fun. For those of you that remember your wedding day, getting ready for your wedding day, that was a lot of fun. That's fun. Or just getting dressed up. It's kind of fun. You see, we get ready, and this is cheesy, to be ready, correct? We get ready to be ready. All right? That's, that's the whole reason we get ready. But why is it we say we don't feel ready for a relationship? And so I started thinking about this question because that's where culture seems caught up, and that's where oftentimes the church can get stuck, is we don't feel ready. And this can apply to a lot of things. Oh, I don't feel ready to really live all out for God. I don't really feel ready to lead. I don't really feel ready. That's, we're going to put those on the side, let the Holy Spirit work in that. But we're going to talk about ready in relationship. How do I know or how do I get ready for a relationship? And maybe you're married here and you're like, hey, look, I got 18 years in too late to get ready. All right. And that, that's a good question. I want to take a little survey. How many of you were ready to get married when you got married? You were ready. Just show of hands. Just slip them up. One, two, three, four. You ready? You ready? Now, how many of you were like me? You were honest. You'll be honest. And you'll say, I wasn't ready. That was me. I wasn't ready. I was not ready. I was not ready. 
we are split. This is excellent. Mission accomplished. Because I see spouses, one raised their hand, I was ready. And it's amazing because it's always the lady was like, yeah, I was ready. He was definitely not. I dragged him kicking and screaming, you know? And that's often how it is, you know? You aren't ready. So if you are on the fence, you're like, I don't know if I'm ready. I hope that that survey of hands actually helped you. Because it's not a science to be ready for the relationship. And some people are like, well, I need it to be a science. No, it's not. It's not. Sometimes you're stepping back and you're going to say, okay, God, is this the right one? I'm going to follow you and what you have, and I'm going to take that next step. But I also thought, you know what? It's good that we do a little survey in the service, but you know what? Let's, let's ask an authority on the subject, right? So Google, I, I Googled it. How do you know if you're ready? And this is what Google told me. Google said, this is how you know you're ready to advance the relationship. And it had some uh, interesting things, okay? So first one was, you know you're ready to advance the relationship when you trust them with your darkest secret. I read that, and then I was like, that's super weird. Like, can you imagine that conversation going down? You're, 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 you're talking to that significant other. You're talking to this woman that you want to marry and be like, hey, hey, psh, come here. Can I trust you with my darkest secret? Because if I can't, you're going to be one of my darkest secrets. <laughs> like, isn't that creepy? Like, why would you even put that down there? Like, if you got to wait for somebody to know their darkest secrets... Guess what? This is, not, this is not the Goonies. Well, one time I was in a movie theater and then I threw up on the ground and I wanted everybody to throw up. No, no, that, that's a different kind of darkest secret. But if you're like, oh, I like to eat people, run, okay? Like, like you know, uh, I just, I, I like the taste of human flesh. You know, that is a problem. So I don't get where you, but here's the thing, you know, that was the first, that was the first Google search. So if somebody else searched it, they're going to get that kind of trash advice. Okay, so modern romance doesn't doesn't work. But here's the thing, it goes on. There there was other great ones that Google had. All right, Uh, the next one was, you know you're ready to advance a relationship if you have traveled with them. And I'll say this right from the get-go, that sounds good, but don't do it because that'll definitely ruin the relationship. There's nothing that'll pull you two apart than traveling together. So if you don't want to end before you can get that thing locked down legally, then don't travel with them, okay? So that one, I just, I, I would stay away from that because that one would definitely break, break anybody's heart, okay? Here's, here's another good one. It says, uh, you're not ready to marry them unless your family and friends approve. Now, it sounds good though, right? Like you kind of need family and friends to kind of be there. And I was like, okay, all right, I can kind of see it. But what got me was the very next one, okay? I kid you not, I can't make this stuff up. I got this off of Google. It's all in one blog. It said, you know you're ready to advance the relationship if your family and friends approve of them. And then the question after that was, you know you're ready if you approve of them. Hold on, hold on, stop for a second. Stop, stop, back up, back up, back up. Okay. So you bring your girl or your guy home, okay? And you're talking to your mom and dad. You're like, do you guys approve of them? And they're like, yeah, they're great. They're awesome. What do you think of them? I don't know. (laughs) 
hey, start with do you approve them first? Like the orders all back up, but you know, it's just wrong there. So I, I don't get it, all right? Here's another one, then we'll move on. Last one, you've been dating for at least a year. Sorry, Adam and Eve, you were doomed. No wonder it didn't work out. And then this one, this one was sweet. Do they feel like home? Oh, oh do they feel like home? I don't know if they imagine you marrying somebody out of a Hallmark movie, but I'm just like, what is that? What does home feel like? Because everybody's home's different, right? And imagine that their home was my darkest secrets. You're like, no, run. It's going to be bad, right? So how do you know you're ready? Here's a good question. How do you know you're ready? And many people will let that question stop them from progressing. But if you would go back to verse number 18 for just a moment, what does God's word say? Then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Who was ready in that verse? God just says, I know what you need, Adam, because I created you. And you waited on this whole ready thing? Irrelevant. I'm going to say something, and it may seem controversial, but I want you to think about it. Um, Getting ready for marriage, the best way to get ready for marriage is this. Marriage gets you ready for marriage. And a lot of people are just sitting there on the fence, just like, I don't know. I don't know. Should we do this? Should we not? And the message will keep going because I can sense there's some resistance because some of you, especially if you have a daughter, you're like, no, don't do that. Don't just like... All right, which way is wind blowing? Yep, let's do this. Vegas. But at the same time, there is this pressure that you think you've got to have this thing 100% figured out before you say, I do. And it's stopping a lot of people. We've got what I call this, like, we overanalyze. And this isn't like, hey, rush in and just, like, do something stupid or foolish. That's not what that is, and we're going to kind of dive into the scripture. But marriage gets you ready for marriage, okay? God never asked, said, or assumed that Adam was ready because nobody is really fully ready for marriage. Nobody's fully ready. Even the people that said, man, we were really in love and we did travel together and they did share their darkest secret and it wasn't that they were an ax murderer. It was, it was just uh, their own little thing that they wanted to share with me and man, we really worked well together. I promise you that the moment you got in the relationship, some things began to change that you were just like, I wasn't ready for this. Like I thought we were doing this and I'm just telling you, nobody means to get into a marriage relationship to deceive the other person. It just comes out when you start living with somebody, when you start getting around that person. But too often we, we will wait because we think we got to get ready. Now, I do want to put a caveat. There's some things to consider before getting in a relationship. And let me throw these out there because we can't progress unless we go through this. You see, first of all, don't get in a relationship or get married if you don't value yourself or get in a relationship with someone who will value you. If you don't value yourself, that's going to be the measure that you bring to a relationship. So don't start a relationship if you don't value yourself. Also, uh, don't get in a relationship or married if you're just afraid of a being alone. Okay, don't do it for that reason. Also, uh, don't get in a relationship or don't get married just because you don't want to face the world as a single person. Don't do that. Uh, don't get in a relationship because you want someone to take care of you. Also, don't get in a relationship because you need someone to, to care for 
or you need to be needed. Also, don't get married because there's this false belief that two are better than one. The Apostle Paul, we don't have time. We may cover it in this series. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 7, he says, some of you have the gift of singleness. There are some people that they are perfectly fine being single. They have that gift. It's not an issue for them. I will say that they are the exception to the rule, not the rule. Most of you do not have that gift. And so you and I need to have wisdom with, okay, now we need to get ready for a relationship. How do I get ready? And the best way to get ready for marriage is to be married. Now, let me unpack that as we're rejecting that statement. The things that hinder your relationship, the things that are holding you back from getting married is this one little statement. This is what's stopping a lot of relationships. And they lived happily ever after. Because you don't want to start a marriage unless you can guarantee the happily ever after. You want this guarantee, money back guarantee, prenup sign guarantee that if I'm not 100% satisfied that this thing's going to end happily ever after, then guess what? I, I don't want to be in it. This is what's stopping a lot of people from really taking that next step or from fully engaging in their relationship. The reality is what you expect is unreasonable. And so many people bring this expectation. And why would you expect to have this perfect relationship? The expectation has been set so high, there's no way to have that type of a relationship. There's no way that your relationship is gonna match up to the one that you saw in The Bachelor. It's not gonna happen. You're not gonna get an elephant in Thailand to ride through the jungle off into the sunset. First of all, I don't know if that's animal cruelty that you're riding on the element, elephant. The second of all, Thailand's very expensive, very hot, and lots of mosquitoes, okay? So just, just think about it first. But a lot of us have this image, and we're like, oh, it's gotta be like this. And we've got this expectation where Adam is looking around, and he's just like, okay, I see two giraffe, I see two horses, I see two dogs. I only see one of me. And God's like, I've got this, Adam. I'm going to take care of you. But we bring these expectations and we think the relationship will be perfect. But your relationship, you need to say, no, it's going to be perfectly imperfect. That's what this relationship is going to be. Because we're all fallen, sinful creatures. You know, when I got married to Jane, I didn't have a lot to offer. There wasn't. I was headed into ministry. This is different for her family. There wasn't a lot that I could really bring to her. And for good reason, her family said, Micaiah cannot talk to Jane for an entire year. So for a whole year, we were not allowed to talk. Now I could write, I could send telegrams and smoke signals to her, but I was not allowed to communicate with her. We were on a very small college. So if she was walking on the sidewalk, I had to just walk by her. You know how hard that was for a year to do that? You know, awkward because people knew that I was just like head over heels for this girl. But I wanted to honor her parents. They didn't just stop there. Many of you know this side of the story. I proposed to Jane's parents, not her parents. I proposed to Jane or asked Jane's parents if I could propose to their daughter three times. All three times they said no. All three times. Now they're great people. They're wonderful people. But here's what we're neglecting. They wanted me to see that, guess what? You may have this expectation of this amazing relationship, that there's always going to be chemistry. It's always going to be amazing. 
But can you make it through the difficult times when they're sick, when they have an attitude, when something's not working out, where there's not enough money, there's not enough margin, you haven't seen each other? Can you still pursue that person? Can you still be faithful to that person? Because our culture is setting us up to have these short-term relationships where they, we don't last long. We don't make it in the distance. We don't, we don't have these life-giving relationships. Instead of having relationships that go the distance, they're shorter. And why? Because we're afraid to get into relationships. It's self-sabotaging. We're like, man, I, I, I don't see our relationship lasting. I want to give you a couple things. This is something I just added this morning, and I want to give it to you. First of all, you're going to need courage in every relationship. You're going to need courage. Courage to do what? Courage to initiate. Maybe you're single and you say, hey, I don't want to be single. It's going to take courage to ask somebody out. You say, hey, we're dating. I really do believe this is God's person for me. It's going to take courage for you to propose to that person. And then it's going to take courage if you're engaged to that person to say, hey, we need to do this right. And we need to, before God, have a covenant relationship. And, and, and that's going to take courage. Now, the hard thing about courage is courage is going to push you out into the unknown. But what I've realized is as you step out into the unknown, courage helps your capabilities. And what I mean by capabilities is you start getting better at doing those things that you were before ignorant or unwilling or scared to do. So the courage helps grow capability. And when you grow capability, do you know what happens? Confidence grows. There was a time when you were afraid to catch a baseball coming at you. And so your dad or somebody would take you in the backyard and say, hey, I don't want you to be afraid of this baseball. If you ever played shortstop, man, you would see there's those fly balls that would just come at you. And man, the, the coach would just throw them at you. Say, hey, don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of it. It's going to pop up, hit you in the face. I need you not to be afraid of it. Don't close your eyes. Don't close your eyes. So he just keeps throwing it, keeps throwing it. Because the courage to get in front of the ball, even though you were afraid, it was going to pop up and hit you in the face just over and over, just catching it, just catching it. And then one day you started catching it. And now your capability's grown. When your capability's grown, you're no longer afraid. And now you have confidence. The same thing happens in the relationship. As you start saying, hey, this is a godly girl. This is a godly guy. I want to take this to the next level. They want to take it to the next level. So we're going to take courage. We're going to take that next step. After that, your capability grows. And you're like, oh, hey, okay, my capability's growing. And now my confidence grows. But this leads me to the second point. Verse number 18 also says, then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Healthy relationships are based on skill, not solutions. Now, at first, you may say, okay, we got a lot of points that are confusing me, okay? Now, just hear me out. It's all going to come together. Healthy relationships are built on skill, not solutions. Have you ever heard of the phrase, one size fits all? You ever heard the phrase? Uh, people will give me hats sometimes, and then the inside of the hat will say, one size fits all. Never works with me. I may not look like I do, but I have an unusually small head. My head is about a six and one-fourth. It's really small. It's hard for me to find hats. They don't stay on. So the one-size-fits-all doesn't work on my head. It just doesn't. So it's like, man, it doesn't work. Can I say the one-size-fits-all approach to relationships also does not work? I, I uh, was homeschooled, like I said, so there was no class in my school where you showed up one day and there was a banana or a cucumber on the desk. Now, I'm not going to say any more about that. You can figure out what class that was. My homeschool didn't have it. My Christian school didn't have it. So what that meant, when I was getting married to Jane, I was a virgin at the time. So that meant I knew nothing, right? So what do you do? You ask your friends for advice. And my friends were idiots. Total morons. 
they gave me some of the stupidest advice. So I'm like, oh, okay, that's how you do the uh, romancing thing. Okay, all right, so that's how it goes. Okay, all right, so I'll do that, I'll do that. I asked Jane for permission to share this full story. She said no, so that's all I can say. It's that embarrassing. Uh, If you want all the juicy details, go ask her. It was bad. It was embarrassing. Because one size doesn't fit all. Because I was looking for a solution instead of developing a skill. And you were looking for the silver bullet to fix your relationship problems instead of developing a skill. How did you learn to ride a bike? Did somebody just say, hey, here's a solution? No, skill. You said, I had training wheels. Did somebody eventually take your training wheels off? Yes. What happened? You had to develop the skill to balance. You learned to swim. You said, well, I had a life jacket. Eventually, you took the life jacket off, and you had to develop a skill. We too often in our relationships are like, God, just give me a solution. So we say this, God, fix him. God, fix her. It could be the reason why you come to a relationship series, and you're like, oh, I'm bringing him. Oh, I'm bringing her. And I hope he hits the button that I want him to hit. And she's thinking, I hope he teaches on this. And I'm here to tell you, relationships that are healthy and thriving are based on skill, not solutions. You are looking for this quick fix and it doesn't happen. I'm coming up on 14 years of marriage in two weeks. And I'll tell you this, it's skill. It's every day just saying, okay, I got to learn a little bit more about her because the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number seven, husbands dwell with them according to knowledge. What is he saying? He's saying, learn about them. He's saying that in, even in the garden, God made Eve not so he could carbon copy every woman to be like Eve. The Bible was clear. It was fit for who? Eve was fit for Adam. God is saying there is a fit for you, but you're going to have to use some skill. And many times what gets in the way is we won't learn new skills. People will say this. Barbara Streisand said it best. A woman will spend 10 years trying to change her husband and then one day complain, you're not the same man I married. (laughs) Well, you've been changing me for 10 years. Can I tell you the truth, my friend? And I say this in all love. You will either grow and change in your relationship or your relationship will change. You will either grow and change in your relationship or your relationship will change. The person you married is not the same person. You guys are going to laugh at this, okay? This is hilarious. Jane is a planner, an organizer. If you come over to our kitchen, everything's easy to find. It's all labeled. Her favorite tools, her label maker. Everything's organized. Everything's color-coded. Everything, okay? That's just how she lives her life. Can you believe that even though as scheduled and detailed as she is, our first family vacation, just the two of us. I had a detailed to the letter itinerary of what we were going to do on vacation. She came back and said, this is exhausting. You've got every half hour scheduled. You've got everything laid out like this. You said, we're going to eat here. We're going to go here. I just want to walk around and enjoy myself. You know what's funny? We go to the same place I took her 14 years ago. And she has a list, and she scheduled it out. And I'm like, I came here just to enjoy myself. We've switched. We've grown. We've changed. People say, you're not the same person that you married. Of course not. Why would you ever think that? You know, anybody who works for a boss, your boss hopes that you'll grow and change. 
He's not thinking, oh man, I hired this person on minimum wage. I hope they can keep doing that minimum wage stuff. I just want to keep them right there. No. They believe in your potential. They are hiring you for not where you're currently at, but for where you potentially will be at. That you potentially will bring more revenue to the business. You potentially will lead more crews. Marriage is the same way. It's the potential that you will raise godly children in the church. Is that you will lead the family to follow Christ. Is that you will love this person sacrificially. It's the potential that, yes, you are here right now, but I expect you to grow. God has the same expectations of us. You say, well, God loves me just the way I am am not so he loves you for who you is not for what you are and many of us like God loves me for who I am no you and I need to grow we need to say God there's a skill to get to know this person this person's changing when I first met Jane she didn't like going to the gym she didn't like climbing k2 she didn't like doing any of that stuff I was living a good life and then somebody got her onto hiking mountains My life has forever been changed. I had to learn a new skill. Hey, guess what? I like going to the gym too. Hey, I like climbing because why? I like her. Otherwise, I can just try and go find somebody else. And that's what culture says. Oh, just go find somebody else. No, no, no. You can find deep, flourishing, renewing, life-giving relationship with that person. And yet so many times we're stuck on, I just need a solution. You'll come for a marriage counseling pastor. We just need a solution. No, you need a skill. You need to know how to talk to this person, even when you're exhausted, even when you're emotionally drained. And you don't need to wait until like, hey, let's just wait till there's a more convenient time. No, no. How about we get the emotional maturity that we say, okay, yes, I just worked a 12-hour day. Yes, I'm tired. Yes, I've got all these things. But you know what? My wife needs me right now. And so guess what? I can take all this emotion. I can stick it on the side and say, babe, I love you with everything I have. I don't need my job. I don't need the car. I don't need the house, but I need you, baby. And so guess what? You got my undivided attention. You know what she's going to do? She's like, forget it and jump on you and start making out with you right then and there. That's what she's going to do. She's like, whoa, baby. Because she wants to be known. She wants you to see that there's a skill to develop. But so many guys are like, I'm enjoying my beer and you're ruining my buzz. (laughs) Bringing me down, problems. I've had a long day. What did you do? You work at a desk, you sit there. And you watch YouTube for four hours to practice your golf swing. We're not talking about Rod Rodriguez. He would never do that. <laughs> but yet we're like, I'm too tired. You're too tired for the bride? Here's what you are, don't understand. One plus one equals one. When you bless her, you're blessing you. That's how it works. When you push her away, you're pushing you away. You're creating a division that God doesn't want. Do you love yourself? then love your spouse, that's like loving yourself. And we don't see that, and we've got to step back and say, God, give me the skill to discern this. Give me the skill to see who they are. You see, skills are learned while solutions are given. Relationships can be wonderful, but too often, we don't take the time to say, I'm going to learn this skill. You see, you need to grow to get your relationship to go. You've got to be growing. And whatever age and stage you are, you can keep growing to get to know that person. Don't you love seeing that elderly couple holding hands as they go walking in the park or at the restaurant? And you're like, I want that. 
That's because they continue to love and grow and nurture. They learned skills. Talk to people and say, hey, what's the skill that's kept your relationship together? What what is making it work for you guys? Because that's what you want. Too often, we're not willing to take what it requires. Skills require sweat and sacrifice. We live in a day and age to say, well, I'm not passionate about that. I'm so tired of hearing people say, well, that's not my area of passion. That is a modern luxury that we've discovered in the last 50 years. Passion. There used to be a thing called a craftsman. You say, what do you mean a craftsman? Tools? No, not the tools. They're not as good as they used to be. What I am talking about is you used to meet a person and they were a master craftsman. You said, I want this beautiful staircase banister. They would go in there and they'd break out the old school tools that are over 100 years old and they were the master craftsman. It took them longer, they charged more, but when they were done, it was a work of art when they finished that, that railing in that, pan, in that entryway. And then you say, hey, what did it feel like when you started? And they said, I was horrible at it. I took a piece of wood and I just kept dinging it up, binging it up. And over a few years, I got better and I got better and I got better. Your relationship is the exact same. You know, who you are right now isn't what you used to be. Who you are right now, your past wishes they could be you. You don't see it. Your past, if you can go back in time, they see it. And where you are right now is not where you will be in the future. You are not static, my friend. You're progressing. Your marriage will not stay where it is. If you're in a good season, don't take that for granted. If you're in a bad season, don't get stuck there thinking this is all it'll ever be. If you're in the doldrums of a relationship, you can see God work through it. But you have to say, what's the skill that's going to take me to get out of this problem? In math, you had to learn the skill to solve harder and more complex problems. But why is it when you bring it into your marriage, you're just like, I just want it to be easy. I said, we don't want easy. We want easier. Easier means, okay, she's different. She's going through some things. He's different. He's going through some things. So what skill can I learn? There was a season where there were some things that I needed from Jane that in this season, I don't need the same like I needed in that season. And in this season, there's some things that Jane needs from me that she didn't used to need in a different season. And so I'm having to be in tune with what the seasons are. And I can tell you this, my friend, those seasons will change. And if you are not perceptive to it, and if you're just numbing yourself with all the other things you've got going on, I want you to understand your spouse should be your priority. She should. He should be first. I've told Jane on several times, I love our church. I love our church family. I love what God has for us, but I love Jane infinitely more. You say, then are we a close second? No, not even because I love my three kids before I love you guys and you love your kids and you love your spouse more. Doesn't mean I don't love you. But I will tell you this, there's been conversations where I've said to Jane, I said, I can let everything go, but I cannot let you go. I made a covenant. What do we got to do? Because I made a covenant. Where do I got to go? You guys don't know this, but I've given Jane permission to say, if it's time to quit. She holds that. She holds my resignation letter. Because I want our marriage to work. And if you know ministry, firefighters, law enforcement, military, some of the hardest marriages, the hardest. 
So I said, hey, when it gets too much for you, you tell me. And then I'll go flip hamburgers because I just need to come home to a, a wife that I love and that loves me. That's all I need. And that's all you need. Culture will say, nope, four-car garage filled with cars you can't afford. Beautiful McMansion that you can barely pay the mortgage. So you're working all the hours. You're strained from your children. You can do it that way. Or culture has it wrong. You say, God, I think you've got a one that's fit for me. I'm going to find that, and I'm going to learn the skills to make that the envy of everybody else. Think about the relationships you envy. It's because they took time to learn the skill that it would take to develop the relationship. We're running out of time. Worship time. Would you, worship team, would you please come to the platform? Last point. You say, okay, what do we do? Your marriage needs to be more married. You say, what do you mean more married? These points just don't make sense. I know, and I apologize, but follow me. God says, That he brought the woman to Adam, and then Adam says this, This at last is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Verse 24 is pivotal. They shall become one flesh. What does that mean? You need to get gradually more married. February 20th, 2009, legally I became married. I wasn't financially married to her. I was barely emotionally married to her. I wasn't physically married to her. I wasn't mentally married to her. More married means over time, you are becoming more married. That's what the word literally means. It's process. We in our marriages think that it's a one and done. We think our wedding date and it's like, hey, I married you, I picked you out on that day, and if anything changes, I'll let you know, or my lawyer will let you know. How sad is that? But yet God is showing us that this is a process. Don't give up in the process. Because it's a process that you're becoming more married. And I love the previous verse because Adam says, you are bone of my bone. You are flesh of my flesh. What is he saying? This is poetry. He is saying bone, that's the inside of you. Flesh outside of you. He's saying, with everything I have inside, I love you. Everything I have outside, I love you. What's he saying? Everything that I am, I love you. And he just met her. You say, is that possible? Totally possible. Totally possible. There's no one size fits all with the relationship. My sister met a guy three months later. I was doing their wedding. I was like, this is crazy but it's God's will for them. And they're happily married. They have two kids. They're doing great. Can I tell you, friends, you are looking at relationships around you saying, oh, it's gotta be like that. No, it doesn't. You chart your own course, your own path. It's process, but then he says something really good. In verse 24, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. A strong marriage is made stronger when we stay with the process, but hold fast. You know what that means? Pursuit. In Hebrew, it means to pursue. But it doesn't mean pursue to catch. It means a continuum of pursuit. What woman doesn't want to be pursued by her husband? Pursued with flowers, pursued with notes, pursued with text messages, pursued with hugs. 
pursued with just the kindness, the love, pursued with doing the dishes, pursued with doing the laundry, pursued with cleaning up the house, pursued with showing up at their work, pursued with just those little things. Too often we're like, well, I don't like the process anymore. And God's like, hey, that's how you become one. Your anniversary is the legal part of becoming one. That's just the legal part. And we think it's totally complete and it's not, my friend. You've got to work through everything else. And then you pursue them. I read a story happened in Casper, Wyoming. A woman by the name of Shelly on February 12th, just before Valentine's, received a bouquet of flowers. And the note said, my dearest Shelly, I love you. Happy Valentine's Day. Stay strong. She called her kids and said, hey, thank you guys for the flowers. And they said, mom, we didn't send you flowers. She said, then who could have sent me flowers? So they called up the florist because the flowers were sent from somebody named Tim. But Tim has been dead for eight months. Tim was her husband. They called the flower shop. And the flower shop said, oh, yeah. Your husband, when he was fighting stage three cancer, came by. And he made sure you were going to get flowers every Valentine's Day for the rest of your life. It's been almost eight years, and she still gets flowers on Valentine's Day. He's still pursuing. Some of us are like, well, I can't pursue unless I'm in the mood to pursue. I think sometimes us men are more emotional than our wives, more moody. I'm hungry. You don't kiss me. You don't want to go take a drive with me in the car like we used to when we were 17. Go up to Communication Hill. I know the pastor lives around there, but we, we make sure we will hide somewhere else. <laughs> you got to watch out at Communication Hill. Hi. <laughs> it's awkward when my dog stops right there. Are you pursuing? Or are you just giving up on the process? God never gives up on the process on us. Hey, can you be as patient with you as God is with you? Some of you, this message just kind of hits heavy because you, you know you haven't been that faithful. You know you've messed up. And I'm going to say as kindly and lovingly as I can, be patient with yourself because you are only modeling what has been mirrored to you. I learned this week, and this is powerful. You came into a relationship at the same emotional maturity as the parent that raised you or the guardian that raised you. Whatever level they were, that was your max level. I don't know about you, I love my parents. But they struggled. So guess what I inherited? I inherited that, the emotional immaturity. So sometimes we are really hard on ourselves instead of saying, wait a minute, I came in at this thing at a deficit, not a surplus. And majority of us came into relationships at a deficit, not a surplus. You didn't have the stable home. You didn't have the loving church family, the youth pastor, the support. And so be gentle with yourself. I'm going to encourage you each and every week to keep coming back. We'll keep digging into this. 
And then Friday night at 6 o'clock, I want to invite you to our couples conference. It'll be at the church office. We've got the Stompies coming in. They're going to be a great help to us. They're going to spend Friday and Saturday with us. If you can make it for both days, it's great. But if you can't make it both, plan on at least making one of the two days. Can we stand as we close? Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you. We praise you for how good and great you are. Father, relationships can be so difficult. God, it can just, it can stop us from wanting to go to work, wanting to eat, wanting to go to church, wanting to do anything. Relationships have a way of just ruining everything around us. So Father, help us. Help us as we kind of work through relationships, as we get better at them. And I pray that you would strengthen every relationship in this place. We're so grateful and thankful for what you're doing. As you're standing with heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to invite the worship team to lead us in a song of worship. And as they're leading us a song, if you want prayer, you can come pray with your spouse right here, or you can make an altar out of your seat and pray. But I would just say right now, it's, it's a good thing to pursue your significant other. And if you don't have one, you can say, God, I want somebody to pursue. Bring the right person in my path. And you just spend a time in prayer. Worship team, would you lead us, please? Thank you again for spending time with us today, and a special thanks to those who give generously to Southridge Church. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about Southridge, you can follow us on social media at Southridge Now. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with a friend, or even take a screenshot and share it on your social story. Make sure you tag Southridge Church and let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.